And there is no comparison because in gymnastics, there there genuinely isn't necessarily rejection. There's just, you fell, try again soon. Hello and welcome to Mindful Warrior Radio. Mindful Warrior Radio is a space we created to connect with incredible humans, to share brave stories, authentic insight, and real knowledge. My name is Cami Craig. I'm a former elite athlete, Olympic champion, turned performance and culture design coach at Mindful Warrior. And I'm your host of Mindful Warrior Radio. Today on Mindful Warrior Radio, we welcome two-time Olympian, three-time medalist, actor, writer, performer, advocate, coach, and mentor, Danelle Leva. On today's episode, Danelle and I discuss how to recover from failures and mistakes, the power of self-confidence and a growth mindset, and what role self-compassion plays in peak performance. Danelle shares the mental and emotional experience of being named alternate of the 2016 Olympic team to then being called upon to compete and meddling in two events at the 2016 Olympic Games. No stranger to pressure or performance, I'm thrilled to tap into the insight and experience of teammate and friend Danelle Leva on today's episode of Mindful Warrior Radio. Danelle, I'm so, so, so happy to have you on Mindful Warrior Radio today. Um, Just felt good to even talk a little bit earlier and get settled in before starting our interview. And I'm excited to tap into your insight and knowledge. I think that we've kind of lived parallel lives in ways with, you know, being elite athletes, committing to our our athletic careers. We're just reminiscing on meeting in 2011, I think at like a media day leading into 2012 Olympics. Wild. Jesus. And that was like, it's like what, December or something like that. So it was like, we're we're reaching that 11 year mark. Jesus. Wow. Yes. Yes. And what has it been like to one, like compete at the same Olympic games, 2012 and 2016 and then I think even more so where our bond and connection strengthened was what was it like to transition out of athletics yeah. into, I guess they call this real life. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're in right now. I have, you know what? I have a, I have such an issue with the real life thing because so many people's perception of what their real life is can be so vastly different to like what our real life is. Cause for 20 21 years for me and I, I can't remember how long for you real life was athletics that's that's it that's all it was you know and now for me real life is being in the circus what <laughs> <laughs> you what do you what mean, I mean the circus Olay? but yes you joined the you circus. Know? like who does that at 30 years old I'm gonna go to the circus I sound like a crazy person. If this would have been in like the 60s, they would have been like, well, here we go into the psych ward. Oh my God. You know, but it was, it was amazing. Uh, you know, like I, like I said before, when we first met in 2011, like I, I just, I was very drawn to you. Obviously you are gorgeous. So <laughs> Thank who, you. who could not be? No, <laughs> but it, it was, you know, sometimes you just know, sometimes you, when you're that young, you don't really understand. At, at that point, I was 20 years old. So there wasn't a, a, a full understanding of what it was that I was feeling. But as I've gotten older, I, you just you have certain energies and you share with people that some people you haven't even met yet, you know, and you know, you just share those same energies with people. And it's those people that you see them and you're just like, well, that person seems very cool. Oh, that, yeah. I, I want to be friends with that person, you know. And that's how I felt the whole time, you know, every time that I met, we, we met in 2011, very briefly, we saw each other in 2012. Um, you were a badass and got the gold huh? <laughs> with your team. You guys were amazing. Um, and then again, we saw each other in 2016 and it was just like, I was so happy, you know, because yeah. our sports are so vastly different and like, we never come together. We never see each other. You know, my Olympic training center was 
completely different from what your Olympic training center was right. or even where it was. And so to be able to see you again in 2016 was, was amazing. And then, like you said, afterward, when, when we were able to, when you brought me into, to that program about people transitioning from one life to the next, it was, it was amazing, you know, and it's funny because at that point I, I, I started acting like immediately after, yeah. and I knew that from a, from a long time ago, I knew what I wanted to do. And I know that's a, an issue with a lot of people. They don't know what their next step is. And right. I was lucky enough to know, but even still in the moment where we met and you like invited me to this thing, I, I didn't realize it's exactly what I needed, you know? Yeah. So very grateful for that. Oh, well, I'm feeling is mutual in so many ways. And I think the idea of bringing you on and having you share elements of your story and your insight today is really around, I mean, you have always been so open and honest about your journey and you've always kept it real. Uh, that's what I was sharing with you before is you're a real one. And just the ways that you have committed to your own personal growth and healing and, you know, bringing that type of excellence and almost like elite performance to <laughs> your life today. I mean, like you're willing to commit and put into the, put in the work um, it takes to be the best version of yourself. And I think that there's a lot there that we can all learn from you. So with that being said, I'd actually, I was thinking about it and I was thinking about the mindset of, you know, water polo and being an athlete in water polo and how you can really shoot a very ugly shot. Like it doesn't even have to be beautiful or fundamentally mm -hmm. sound and it still counts as a goal and towards yeah. winning the final game. And yeah. so I wanted to ask you if I was going to drop you into, you know, back into your like gymnast mindset mm -hmm. on the largest stage, the, mm -hmm. the, the Olympic stage. Um, what is in this element of like being judged? Okay. Oh, yeah. You've got judges. What the heck is that all about? What does it feel like? And what's the mindset? Maybe not necessarily of a gymnast, but of you going through that process. It's the dumbest sport. I hated <laughs> it. It was so dumb. You know, the, the, ultra subjective aspect of it made me and so many people in the sport so angry and frustrated because as as the competitors sometimes we were well aware of who the best was we were completely and a hundred percent aware and it's not like we just like accepted it and just been like well they're gonna win no no we for me at least like i knew epka zonderlin for example was the absolute best high bar swinger of all time. Mm -hmm. And I still, every time I was in a competition with him, I was like, I'm going to beat him. I have to beat him because that's just, that's my, that's the mountain I have to climb. Right. But even still there are people and there are things that happen behind the scenes that like we, even we don't really know about that affect the outcome of it, you know? And it, and it was very frustrating, excuse me. <laughs> and I, I, that's, that's one of the things that I love about sports like water polo or, or soccer that I, I love watching soccer because like you see a dude who he like slips and falls as he's trying to kick the ball and it bounces off of somebody else and goes in the goal and it still counts. And like, yeah. e imagine how ridiculous it would be in water polo as if you go for the shot and just because like you went underwater after you shot her or something like, nope, didn't count. She didn't like stick her landing with that I shot. Like that would be so dumb. Yes. <laughs> so dumb, you know? And it takes, I think, so much like originality and creativity and what makes yeah. the person them out of it in ways. I agree. I definitely yeah. agree. What has been your relationship? I think, and you can kind of compare it from as an athlete to where you're at now. And here you are, you are performing at Circus Soleil in Las mm -hmm. Vegas and you're an actor. So you're constantly mm -hmm putting yourself out there, um, in yeah. different ways, but what has been your relationship with making mistakes and perfectionism? I, you know, ironically, right before we started this, I got a call from my manager and agent saying that I, I missed out on a, on a job that could have potentially changed my entire life, you know, and, and it was for, um, a new show that's coming out where this has now been the second call 
that I missed out on this specific show where I did the audition for one of the main characters, one of the series regulars for the show, went all the way to the end, was in like final consideration. And then they went with somebody else. Then they said, okay, but fortunately I had auditioned for a different role as well. And they were like, but we, we do, you know, we're not giving him this one, but we, he is still very much in consideration for this role. And, you know, in that, that way, you just, you try and focus on whatever you're still doing. So you don't go crazy. And right before we started, I got the call saying that, you know, we didn't get that one either. And it's, it's so vastly different. I was genuinely, I was trying to compare how different or, or how similar it could have been to gymnastics. And there is no comparison because in gymnastics, there, there genuinely isn't necessarily rejection. There's just, you fell, try again soon. You know, like you fell in this competition, the next one is coming, you know, exactly the time, day, right? the, the weather of everything that is your next thing. Whereas in, as an actor, you just, you didn't get it. Better luck next time. When is that next time? I have no idea. Right, <laughs> right. So I think it's, it's, that in itself, I, I, like I said, I've been doing it since 2016. And that in itself has been such a huge lesson for me because as athletes, we are just by proxy, we are so focused on control and controlling every aspect of our environment because we are capable of that control. We have, we have the capability to take things and, and being like, well, I'm controlling this and this will literally directly affect what goes, what happens next. And as an actor, you don't really have that. You can mm -hmm. be one of the best actors and you just have something that is just not right for the thing. And you just have to let it go. So I've been trying so hard and, and thankfully being uh, as successful as I can with the whole letting go aspect of it and just living every day, one day at a time and still reaching for that, that my new mountain but still just living my life and being happy where I am. You know, you mm -hmm. mentioned being in Cirque du Soleil and that was something that came out of nowhere. I just, I ended up here in Las Vegas after filming a movie. I had nothing to do. And I was like, I need a job. I got in contact with a friend of mine who was in the show. I asked him, I was like, hey, are there options of like more temporary positions or something? He was like, I think so. Let me put you in contact with the artistic director. They sent me an audition. It was a, a very close, very private invitation only audition. There was four of us. I was the only one who was hired and it's been great. And I've been doing that one day at a time. And, and the people that I've met have been great. And I think if I wouldn't have adapted that, like just live one day at a time, I don't think I would have allowed myself to have this experience now because I would have been so focused, so overly focused, like how we used to be with yeah. our sport on just that one thing, rather than being like, what's next? Let's see what comes my way. You know, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you have, you've had those experiences as well with what you're doing in your life. Cause I know you've had so many different paths and, and so many different like career moves and, and decisions. So I'm, mm -hmm. I would, love to hear your experiences on that as well. Yeah. I think when it comes to failure or mistakes, I think, mm -hmm. you know, I've worked a lot with youth athletes and even in corporate settings. And there's just this, like, it's such an intense fear about and around mistakes and failures. Yes. It's crippling. Right. And it drains the system. You know, it yeah. takes, so much energy and focus from an individual to be worried about everything outside of their control and the what ifs that you kind of show up, not even at your best in that moment. Yeah. And so I think there has been times in sports where I really had to decide, you know, what truly is in my control and where do I want to place this focus and energy? And where do like you said, where do I want to let go? And I kind of almost you know, I heard you when you said, I'm trying so hard to let go. It's almost like two opposites meeting. <laughs> How right? hilarious. Trying the juxtaposition so hard of to that. Let go. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think, you know, it's one thing that I think is on my side in regards to having that happen is that I've, I've, I'm dyslexic, right? So I mm -hmm. went through school and as a young child, 
you know, going through school with learning differences, I failed a lot. I had a lot of repetition in getting it wrong and having to start over. And I think having that repetition at a young age, even though it's like, man, that's super vulnerable and it's tough to have to build your resilience in that way as a young child, it allowed me to roll into sports and have a little bit less attachment to perfectionism. Like I had so many reps to saying that's wrong. I was like, okay, start again. Let's do it again. So take feedback has always been relatively easy for me. You know, obviously mistakes and failures can be challenging when you've put in the time to train yourself and have put in the hours and have put in, you know, the preparation to do the things that you need to do to achieve it. That's when it's really hard to fall short. If you're just learning (laughs) or you're trying something novel, man, I have all the patience in the world. And in fact, I can actually kind of laugh at myself in it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that you said that because so ironically now, of course, now I, I thought of the only parallel between gymnastics and what my current lifestyle is. And I think that similar to you, when I was very young and I started competing and things started getting a little more serious, my mom taught me that as a gymnast, we have six events as a, as a male gymnast, we have six events. And if you, if you fail on one event, you can no longer dwell on that event because then you're not, like right. you said, you don't have hundred percent of yourself going into the next one. And that's what you're saying. A lot of people do that. They focus so much on either past failures or a potential for a new failure that they don't half of themselves isn't even there. Mm-hmm. And I think because I did that, so, like I, I took that to heart and I completely, every time I went to a competition, I would do the one event and then that event was gone forever. Yep. And the next, the only thing that was important and the only thing that was on my mind was what's next. And I did that so much that I think that's just how I live now. That's just, that's part of who I am. Like, you know, these auditions where I'm done with it now and now that's gone forever. And now I move on to the next thing. And sometimes it's, sometimes it's really nice because sometimes I do genuinely forget about it and they call me back and they're like, Hey, you have this thing. And I'm like, Oh, great. (laughs) (laughs) And, but sometimes it's just, I don't, I don't need to worry about it anymore because it's, I'm done. I'm done with it. And now I'm focusing on the next thing. And let me ask you about this. So I, I'm curious about this in regards to this particular situation, because in yeah. 2016, remind me if I'm, I'm wrong, but it, you made the alternate for the Olympic team in 16, <laughs> right? And yeah you know, I'm going to speak really open and frankly, as an athlete, it's like, when you make the alternate, it's like, you didn't make the team, right? You didn't make the team. You didn't make, you're not going the Olympics. You're not going to the Olympics. Yeah. And then team USA experienced an injury for men's gymnastics. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're getting the call up or call back saying, pack your bags. You're going to the Olympic games. And then I think you pretty much, you meddled in three events in those games. Two events. Yeah. Two Two events. Like, are you kidding me? So I, I want to like, just take a beat and slow down that process and think about it through the perspective of like, how was, how are you flipping your mental state, your mindset in this moment? Like, again, you know, I didn't make it or I made alternate, which is essentially you're like preparing, you're like probably already thinking I've trained for like a year and a half. I'm going to go on vacation. Like, you know, I'm not watching the Olympic games. I don't know. Maybe you're bitter. Or maybe you're like, I'm going to watch every game. Who knows? But there's so many emotions that follow that. And then to have to flip it and go into go mode. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about that from the mindset perspective. Yeah. So I, funny enough, I, I never, I, I never accepted that I wasn't going to compete at the Olympics. And that, that is another way that I, that I live. I just, even when I do fail, I just, I never fully accept the fact that I fail. It, okay. So th- I'm going to try to explain that because that sounds like I, it could be dangerous because you could, you could avoid learning from your failures. I take it in. I experienced what is happening when, when I was named the alternate sobbed soup all of the emotions i allowed myself i needed it you need to go through it which ironically enough i have i have still not even fully processed (laughs) um the first rejection from the this most recent project 
but it always finds a way to come out. The other day, there was there was this young there was this young man who was outside of Starbucks, and he just seemed like a really nice kid, and he just he didn't have a home. And I walked in and I kept looking at him, and I and I mentioned something to to Monica, and she was like, "Yeah, I've seen him here. He's actually like a really nice right nice guy. He never actually asks for anything. He's just always here." Um, and I, and I ordered food and I fully had the intention of eating that food myself. And for whatever reason, when I walked out of the Starbucks, I looked at him and I said, Hey, have you eaten today? And he said, no. And I just didn't even think about it. I just handed my thing. And sure enough, as soon as I sat in the car, sobbed, just um, all of so many tears. And I know that a lot, of course, that's an emotional experience for me because at one point myself, I was essentially homeless. And the only re the only difference between a person like him or people like him. And my scenario is that I had one single person who was there for me and supported mm -hmm. me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But allowing yourself to experience all of the emotions is the only way that you can move past and move forward. So when mm -hmm. I was named the alternate, sobbed, devastated, disappointed, angry, all of the things. And I went, here we go. I'm going to the Olympics. And I, I decided to go to this Olympic chain. Uh, it was the very last uh, training camp right before the Olympics that it was the Olympic team and the three alternates. And I said, my, my goal is to show them that they made a mistake. I'm going to mm -hmm. do so well here that I'm, I'm going to, they're going to say, you know what, guys, oopsie, let's put him on the team. Instead. Yeah. Unfortunately, somebody got hurt. They named me on the team and I was already in go mode. I was yeah. already there. Wow. The interesting thing was once I was at the Olympics, once I made the finals, I was so focused on trying to prove myself that mm -hmm. it was it was affecting me very negatively. And I was getting angry and I was getting upset and frustrated. And my mom came. You know how it is when you're in the village, you need a request for people to come inside to, to visit yeah. you. So she comes in and it's like the first time I've seen her in, in, in a bit. And she looks at me, she's like, what's uh what's going on and i'm like nothing i'm i'm good yeah she's no like, moms <laughs> you can't hide from moms <laughs> and she's like what's going on and then i i explain and she's like yo you just you're here look where you are this is your second how many people go to a second olympics how many people already have a medal just show off have fun yeah and like that that just like changed my perspective and i was like oh shit and the day of the finals, I woke up literally laughing at nothing. I just had mm -hmm. it in. I was just like, woohoo, it's a good day. Yeah. And, and sure enough, you know, it, it paid off, you know, and I think it was it was because of the fact that I I had that perspective change of like, why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm doing it because I, I enjoy it. I love it. And that's that's what I try. I try and I try and avoid that that first aspect, the the getting frustrated, focusing only on, I need to prove that. No, no, no. It's no, I need it's, I want, yes. you know, that's, that's been definitely my, my biggest perspective change. It's, it's, it's no longer, I need to do this. It's, I want to do this. And there as, as simple and small as that seems, I feel like it is, it's very powerful. You, you remove so much personal pressure and it's just, it, it, it's like you said, it, it remains a passion rather than a necessity. That's right. And I think, you know, the interesting thing is, is you had trained, you had put in the work, you were prepared, you were fueling your body the right way. This last shift that you did going into the finals was purely just mental. You were going to show up with all of that intact regardless. Yeah. And you could have done it from a place of anger or from a, a place of celebration and joy. Yeah. And you chose to, you know, and when you said like you woke up on finals day and you're just kind of like giddy, yeah. I mean, there's no better feeling like as a fellow athlete in you your position, know. it's like, that's how you want to feel. You want to feel light. Yeah. You want to feel open to the experience and you could trust all the work that you had put in. And like your mom said, like, yeah. lift your head up, look where you're at, enjoy it. Yeah. You, you've done the work. There's no reason to like, clamp down on it, you know, and yeah. try to strong arm the, yeah. let it flow. Yeah. It's so funny because even that, that sentence is so funny because it can, it could lead you both ways. Mm -hmm. You can, you can say, I've, I've put in the work, I've put in the work, or you can say, 
I put in the work. Yes. You know, like it's so, yes. it, it's just, it's switching. It's literally just switching over to, to the side that you want. So interesting. So let me ask you this. When you've experienced, okay, so we've experienced losses. Um, we've experienced as athletes, you experience rejection as an actor and, you know, we're all human beings, you know, working towards and working on things. And so there's going to be opportunity for error and mistakes. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about your relationship with self-compassion and how it plays a role in your life. And uh, definitely I would, working on it. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, I, we all are. Yes. I join you in that, but I'm curious of, I think for me, when I, I think about self-compassion, it's easy for me to compare where, how that existed in my life as an athlete and mm-hmm. how it exists in my life today. And there's, for me, there's a big difference, I think. Um, And so, and I know that you've done, you know, same kind of healing and processing Mm -hmm. and growth after your career. And I think it takes a lot of self-compassion to transition. So I'm just curious, what has been your relationship and how does that show up for you? I think it, I, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I, I don't think there was very much self-compassion when I was an athlete because we had this mentality of being hard on ourselves is the only way we succeeded. But that's, that was only because that's what, we were, that's what we were taught. That's what we were shown. The people who were, who were literally our coaches or teachers or whatever, that's what they, they implanted in our brains. Like, no, you need to be hard on yourself. It's the only way you can succeed. And the, the one thing that I noticed, first of all, that breeds for me, it bred so much superstition because going back to the trying to take control, that is literally the only thing that superstition is. It's you trying to find some aspect of control in a scenario where you have none, mm-hmm. you know? So you focus so hard on like, well, I, I wore this underwear this day and I did really well. So I, I got to wear it again. You know, like it's, it's, it's mind boggling. And when you step outside, you're just like, what, what am I doing? Yeah. And so the, the biggest switch, the biggest noti- noticeable switch for me has been something as simple as avoiding any and every superstition. And it's funny because being in Cirque du Soleil now, it's very easy to fall into superstition because I see it all around me. There are so many people that I see, they, do, they have their routines, they have their rituals, they do the thing because they want to, you know, it's, it's highly acrobatic or highly athletic and they want to make sure they do it right. And I have just allowed myself, like I said earlier, to just live the moment and enjoy the moment. And so I'm still working on it a lot because it, I wasn't taught what self-compassion meant because I was only taught to keep trudging, beat your head into the wall until the wall breaks. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that happens then is that you, you get a concussion. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you, you burn know, out, you have nothing in the system. Out. You're you not confident. Nothing. You don't have anything yeah. to pull from. There's no strength in the system. Yeah. There, there was a moment in the show. The show is Ka, by the way, it's K-A. Um, and it's there. It's one of the most unique shows I think ever. Like there, there are so many different acts in it that will never be replicated because it, it the theater itself is a massive character and then there there's a there's an act in it where the entire stage comes up and it flips and turns and spins and there's pegs shooting out of it and like it's it's amazing and it's one of my favorite things and relatively early on i i missed a peg and i fell really far down right onto my hip and after that when i was coming back i noticed myself going back into the little superstitions. I was like, well, I did this stretch this day and I did this little warm up this day. So mm-hmm. I have to follow that. And, you know, and like even those little things where we don't notice, like I, I clocked and I'm, I intentionally like veer off of it, you know, to, to show myself it's not what you need. It's essentially, it's back to like, you've put in the work. It, yes. This has nothing to do with it. You can do it. You, you know what you're doing. Your body knows what you're doing. Just allow yourself to do the thing. And I think that absolutely applies to everything in life, not just acrobatics or athletics. 
Mm -hmm. How does self-compassion connect to this kind of like inner trust that I'm hearing you talk about? It's funny because I don't, I'm not even aware of it. And I think that you labeling as that is kind of making it make sense. But in reality, it's just me just trying to allow myself to, I've repeated myself so many times, but it's just allowing myself to just enjoy the moment. I think that's my version of self-compassion. Just just enjoy what is happening now. Mm-hmm. You know, don't be overly focused and overly like don't fill your mind with only just that one thing. Like you are allowed and you are capable. Yeah. Yeah. You're cap- hyper focus is good if you use it uh productively, but if it starts invading it other aspects of your life, like if you decide not to like just go and hang go watch a movie, go hang out with your friends because you are too focused on doing this thing, mm-hmm. it's not that's not productive. And ultimately yeah. it takes away from you performing higher in that thing that you are so focused and that you love so much, you know, like as far as acting, I have intentionally, I am, I love it so much. It's my passion. It's, it's the, it's the only thing that I want to do, but it's not the only thing that I think about. I love right. talking about it. I love learning about it, but I love playing soccer. Mm-hmm. I love watching, you know, like I, I, I love doing things that have nothing to do with it. I love the circus. Like it has a performance itch. Uh, I have a performance itch and it's scratching it, but it genuinely has like not very much to do with acting as mm-hmm. far as, as far as the kind of acting that I want to do, you know, and it's just allowing yourself to, to do that. That has been my version of self-compassion for sure. Yeah. So just this permission to not hang on to things too tightly and to yeah. kind of flow through and be open and fluid to other experiences so that it's not you know, I think we've both come from the the background of really being tethered and connected to one specific thing. Our identity was yes. you were the gymnast. And I was Just the that. water polo player, you know, yeah. the Olympic so, hopeful, you know? Yeah. Yep. Yes. And so I'm hearing the self-compassion comes in the way of, you know, you allowing yourself to be you and whatever, that means, you know, that you can be the writer, you can be the actor, you can be the performer, you know, any of those things. And I I appreciate that. I think when I think back to my athletic career, and I don't know if this is my personality or women's sports, but there was always this element of never, like, you could never tell yourself, like, I could never fully own that I was like, Oh yeah. Like I'm the best. I'm the best in the world. I'm the best. Like I could never fully own that. And I think there was this fear of like, if I actually owned it and believed it, then I wouldn't have the kind of rev in the system to continue to want to strive forward. Like if I never believed that I was the best, then I always still had work to do. And I don't think until kind of the later end of my career that I learned that, hey, yeah, you actually can own that you are, you know, one of the most dominant, uh, you know, individuals in your position and you can still grow and have that learner's mentality and maintain that edge. You could be both. You can absolutely be both. both. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, go ahead. I I think that Messi is, is, is a great example where you know, they asked him like, oh, like, you know, like, what do you, what do you, do you like, are you training to be the best in the world? Like, are you training to be the best ever? And he's just like, no, I'm just, I'm just training to be better than what I was last year. Like, that's, that's the most simple mentality. I'm just training to be better than what I was before. Like, that's it. That's, that's it. That's all you need. You don't need to worry too much about anything else. Like for me, when I was, when I was an, when I was an athlete and now as an actor, I've never been in anything big, but I have to, I have to internally be like, yeah, no, I, I think I am. I think I am really good. I, I am one of the best for sure, but I have so much more to learn, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's, I think that's the only way that we can grow. I think we have to find the rooms where we aren't the best to strive to be as good or even better than them. It's not unhealthy to want to be better than somebody that you admire and that you love, you know, it's, mm-hmm. I, I feel like it creates healthy competition if you are the kind of person who celebrates that person also getting better. You right. know, if you're the kind of person who is just like, well, I want to be better than them because I don't want them to be good anymore. Well, then you are gonna you are gonna become stagnant and you're gonna you're not you're never gonna grow. You That's need right. your competition to continue to grow so that you also continue to grow. 
yeah. you know, and I, I try and I try and live my life that way. Like if, if I notice that my environment is becoming stagnant, I, I try and find a new one. I, 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 I find a way to like, what else can I do? How can I, how can I get better? How can I, how can I learn something new? Like you said, you know, because it's, it's the only thing that has kept me going after gymnastics. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is this desire to be a lifelong learner for sure. It's interesting when I think about self-compassion, I think it can get kind of tangled in this idea of making excuses for yourself or yeah. not holding yourself accountable to your state <laughs> or expectations. It's like, you know, and I think for me, I want to clearly define that self-compassion isn't about, Hey, you know, you didn't make the mark and that's okay. Self-compassion right. is, is like when you didn't make the mark and you're like roughed up, like on the floor, kind of beat down, like self-compassion is like coming up behind yourself and rubbing yourself on the back and saying like, Hey, that was rough. Um, and you're okay. And we're going to be okay. Let's get up slowly and, and start <laughs> moving towards the next thing. Right. Yeah. And it's not about, or even let's try marker. again. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I, you know, they're not mutually exclusive, you know, like you don't, you don't need to be way too hard on yourself to succeed. Like, like you said, like you, there's a way to, to just be like, that, that sucked, huh? Yeah. <laughs> that was really bad. All right, let's figure it out. Let's keep going. You know, like that is in a, that is self-compassion, you know, it's like, Oh, it's okay. That that's complacency. That's yes. the difference, you know? Yes. Absolutely. What do you think got in the way of accessing self-compassion in your athletic career or like even in a younger age? It's tough. And I don't, I don't want to feel like I'm blaming anything, but I think we were very much products of our environment. You know, like I think mm -hmm. a lot of it had to do with what, what we were around for, for me when I was training my, my coach slash stepdad at the time he his whole style was kind of pitting us against each other and it it bred a lot of resentment towards my own teammates that I saw every single day and it was really rough you know I I remember when I was younger it was hard for me to to notice that like my teammate is not the problem this narrative that is being created is the problem you know and mm -hmm. I at, once I retired and I started reflecting and, and noticing certain things, I felt so badly. And there was like one, there was one kid, especially where he was such a great kid an immensely hard worker. And we were all pitted against him because we were all trying to, we were all trying to gain this person's like favor and like gain his, um, his acceptance. And he just kept talking about this person instead you know, when he was younger and, you know, and like, we all thought, well, he's not even doing the, the same things, you know, like, why are you so focused on him? And so we, we were, because we were young and we didn't know what to do, we were redirecting our anger and frustration towards that person. Mm -hmm. And it caused a lot of like really bad things to happen and just like, not, not great. And I remember when I was, when I was doing the podcast, I spoke about it and I, I like apologize to him. And I, and whenever I see him, I, I like, I'm like, dude, like we, the last time I saw him, we had like a full in-depth conversation with him and his mom. And we, I was just like, it's, it's insane. And, you know, and we, we all had this understanding of like, it wasn't like, yeah, we did it, but it wasn't, it wasn't even us, you know, it, it came from somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And I'm so happy for him. He's like, he's a doctor now. Like, you know, it's insane. He's so successful and amazing, but but yeah, it, it, it's tough. It's tough when we don't realize when we're that young, how, how much, even now, even as adults, we don't realize sometimes how much environment can truly affect yeah. what is, what is happening to us. Environment, culture, how we can all attune into a toxic culture or a healthy yes. culture, depending on how it's built, because a healthy culture can be just as contagious as a toxic culture. Absolutely. But being aware of that. I think when I think about self-compassion and what was challenging from the time that I was like an athlete into yeah. now is I had less of a sense of self yeah. when I was younger and I was less connected to like kind of my inner compass, if you will. Yeah. 
And so I think that there at times I was more influenced by the, the Atta girls or like you did that, right. That looked yes. good. Yes. And you know, if yes. I wasn't getting the Atta girls, then I was like, dang, I yeah. suck. You know? yeah, um, and so, it, and I, and I, I firmly believed that. And I think as I've developed this kind of sense of self and this like inner trust and just this clarity of like, I know who I am in a lot of ways that I, I didn't have access or time, um, or really, you know, I, I, we couldn't unravel to learn much about ourselves as young athletes because you had to like stay so tight and so ready and so armored up to go through, you know, the training and the competition and the professionalism and, um, you know, the coaches and everything that they brought to challenge us. And, you know, there was no time to really kind of like completely unravel and then bring yourself back together again and say like, Oh, this is Cammy. Like, you know, (laughs) and there's some warrior woman aspects that came from my time of training and there's, kind of the nurturing and connective, you know, uh, elements yeah. of myself that came from training and being a part of teams. And, and then there's this whole other side of me that lives outside of the athlete, uh, yeah. that I had been for 25 years. And yeah. so once I could clearly connect to the inner compass and connect to self, that's when self-compassion really could get in front of me and not trail behind me. And it's been really helpful and really powerful to, again, self-compassion is not, you know, changing the finish line or making excuses, but it's really just saying like, woof, that was a bummer, but you got you, you know who you are and we'll take it slow and we'll get back up or we'll jump back in if that feels right quickly and start kind of attacking it again. The space that it allows to make mistakes in a healthier way allows me to recover quicker and more seamlessly. So yeah. what maybe derail me for three days or flip yeah. me inside out for a day is now, you know, the moment and maybe 15 minutes to take a breath and, yeah. you know, assess and then re-engage. Like it becomes, and how I know how to soothe my nervous system, which we've been doing for a very long time, by the way, being athletes. Um, yeah soothing the nervous system, knowing self and applying self-compassion allows for a quicker recovery from things that are embarrassing or you make a mistake or there's fear or anything like that. I'm curious of how is that showing up for you in different ways today? I'm sure something's something's coming up for you as I'm saying that. Absolutely. You know, uh, what you had mentioned earlier about how, how we are, how we, how we react to ourselves when we are learning new things, you know, it's, it's that whole aspect of like almost encouraging failure because it's the only way that we can move forward. I feel like failure is the only thing that makes us go, Oh, why did that happen? I see. Okay. Let's move. Let's move past this now. When it is, when it's something new, it's almost, it's almost fun. It's almost fun to like fail me. Ah, damn, almost got it. You know, once we, for whatever reason, I think as athletes, when once we got to this, this certain point, we no longer accepted any failure. And I think that it's, it's very counterintuitive. I think it's the only way that we can, can learn to, to grow, you know, it, and it is funny because you're going to have those people and be like, Oh, you want to be a failure. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that it's the only way to, to move past it is to experience it so that then you can grow and keep going until you become your version of what successful means. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you think about where you have grown to today, so we're six years out from the last Olympics that we competed in. I know it's like becoming a distant memory. <laughs> it's crazy. It's okay. Crazy. Yeah. And in those six years, you know, we have brought our all of our skill sets of what it is to train well get repetition, fail, get back up, the resilience, the grit, uh, the endurance, you know, to do these things. And we've applied it to our lives in in different ways. But in the ways that you have become more yourself and have grown and have healed, if you think about putting yourself 
back on the mat or the bars or the beam or whatever. Mm. If you think about going back to compete today with yeah. how you know yourself or even train, mm -hmm. how might it be different for you? And how yeah, do you think you show up? Ironically, I, I considered it heavily after the previous Olympics because it happened because I, I, you know, I, I was still very much in like in shape in enough shape where I could get back into competitive shape relatively quickly. And I thought about, I was like, well, there's, there's only three years left. It's, it's no longer four years. It's, it's actually less than three years. And I would really only need this and this. Um, and certain rules had changed for the previous Olympics for gymnastics, where it became even more plausible, you know, where when I was competing, I was training all six events. And then because of the rules for the previous Olympics, I was like, I could literally just do one event and I could do, I can almost approach this, approach this as like a casual, like hobby thing, you know, like I could do it like three times a week and still be good, you know? And, and yeah. I started, I started literally playing around in the gym and was doing things better than what I used to do. Like I was, I was doing some skills more effectively, like just performing them actually better. And I even, I was even learning something that I had never learned before. And I was like 29. The only reason why I didn't keep going is because they've changed, because gymnastics is dumb and they changed the rules back and made it like even harder. And I was like, no, 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 I'm good. But even then, you know, like I, I was very worried about like, falling back into the same rhythms, but I was like, I don't think that's even a possibility. Mm -hmm. I don't <laughs> think I would be able to because I, because I am literally like such a vastly different person. Yes. And you can even see it in pictures. You can, yes. you can put a picture of me from 2016 and a picture of me from now. Granted, I, your boy was, your boy was yoked. Okay. He got, he had some muscle on him. Right. <laughs> but but you could, you could just see it in like my face and my eyes. There's, there's such a, there's, it's a different person. It's a yeah, different, so different person. Tell me a little bit, if you can name it and just get kind of curious, take a beat to think about what are the elements that you think allowed you, you know, as you're playing around in the gym, thinking about, Hey, I could actually go for Paris 2024, yeah. right? What do you think has allowed you to be you know, I mean, there's the fitness element, right. And you're, mm -hmm. you're still in that place where you can do these movements, but mm -hmm. you're saying you're trying different things and landing things you had never done before you were moving mm -hmm. in a way. So it sounds like, you know, there's a bit, I don't know, you're more open. There's a more comfortability yeah. in your body. You own your body more. It's yours rather than it being a tool to get the job done as an athlete. I don't know, but what yeah. are the elements that you can name that allowed you to perform more open fluidly freely than before i think the biggest thing was the fact that i was doing it casually rather than being the only thing that i had in my mind you know being the only like i had one goal and one goal only and nothing else mattered versus when i was doing it i was like it'd be kind of cool if this happened if not it doesn't matter you know mm -hmm. and ironically enough that's how that's how i approach interpersonal relationships like that's how I literally went you know when I was single and I would meet somebody new I'd be like hey it would be really cool if this happened but if not it's also all good you know what I mean and like even within a relationship I kind of you know that that's just my approach and I think I I absolutely had that I would just go in the gym and play around and be like if I I noticed actually one day specifically where I was trying to do a skill that it was like it's like my trademark skill. I would like flip over the bar and my arms were out like this. And I tried it like three or four times and I didn't catch it. And like, I felt the old me being like, you got to keep going until you get it. And then the yes. new me went, sit down, we're done. You know, like, <laughs> like it's, I literally like to myself, I was like, it's not that deep, bro. You know, like that's it. Yes. yes. <laughs> And I know, I know like when I was training it, like I was like proud of the fact that like, I didn't stop until I got the thing right. And I think that's great, but I think that I'm so much, I was so, I am so much more aware of like, nah, it's good. Like you're okay. You got tomorrow. Like we mm -hmm. could, we could try again. It's all good. You know? And it, it was just so funny. Like 
where I literally felt the the switch inside my body go from like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you think that it's um, these these changes that have been made or these growths or healings or however you want to label them? What has it provided you with? So we talked about it in regards to like how you could show up and move more freely or, you know, perform a little bit different today um, as you're a different person than you were in the pocket of, you know, being on the Olympic team and, and performing at the Olympics. But in, in life in general, what yeah. has it give you, given you access to? How has your life changed uh, based off the work that you've done for yourself? I think it's just the way that I approach everything. Like I said, it's just, it's no longer based off of just like this one thing and one thing only and nothing else matters. And like, if I don't do this thing that I, and my value diminishes, it's mm-hmm. it, you, you have labeled it so perfectly with the aspect of self-compassion and whatever that means specifically to an individual, you know, for me, it's just allowing myself to just be like, no, it's fine. Like, no, it's actually, you're fine. Hey, you're okay. We can keep going and it's fine, you know? And I think that's just, that's just kind of the way that I, that I go about life. You know, there, there are certain things that have happened in Cirque where I've gotten really frustrated and I'm just like, what, what? It's okay. Whatever. Let's keep going, you know? And I am, I am, I am a much, much happier person in so many scenarios because I don't hold on to that frustration and dude when you keep shit in your mind and you don't talk about it it becomes warped and it becomes exaggerated and becomes bigger that's why when we have certain dreams we can dream about somebody that we know in real life and it could be a simple example of like a parent in our in our dreams our parents are so much taller than us and then we see our parents in real life and we're just like oh and it's because our mind decides to warp things. So verbalizing them or just taking a second to step back and like pay and like look at it and just be like, oh, no, 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 no. It's actually, it's actually okay. It has been a, a really big change and, and has been very, very helpful for me. Yeah. What role does curiosity play in your life? Oh my God. It's, uh, I think I'm driven almost purely based on curiosity for, yes. for so many things in my life. Like I'm, I'm very much always like very curious about everything, anything. How, how does this work? How can I do this? How can I get better? And you know, it's that how is, is very important for me for sure. Mm-hmm. Do you, what do you, would you say that you're most proud of if you can just take a beat, put both your feet on the ground from this moment, this present moment, and take a look back as far as you'd like to go. What are you most proud of sitting here in your seat today? You know, what's funny about that. I think, I think I am always working on trying to find the thing that I'm most proud of. I think I'm always like being like, I'm going to work on doing something to make me more proud than this thing, you know? Cause like it's, it has been ever changing for me. I was immensely proud of 2012 when I got the bronze, but I was like, I could do more. I could do better. Then I got two silvers in 2016. I could do more. I could do better. And now as an actor, I'm doing this. And like, I did improv classes and it like, I, in like the second level of the, the classes that we did, we had a performance and you know, like we got a huge reaction, me and my partner, and we made everybody laugh. And I was like, that was great. I could do more. I could do better. I did stand up in, you know, in Miami at one point with like a relatively big, big crowd, huge reactions, huge laugh. I could do more. I could do better. It's just, you know, there, there are every, every little thing I'm very proud of, you know, like, like when I did, when I joined circus, you know, and, and when I do certain things, like even last night, last night during that, the, the, um, the act that I told you about, you know, like the one that spins around, I was, I, after I hit myself, I was really nervous and really scared. And I'm very proud of the fact that I got past that. I got past those yeah. nerves. I got past like the overthinking and now I I'm enjoying it again. And mm-hmm. I'm still, I could do more. I could do better. You know, like that's just that. I think that's just how I, how I've been approaching everything. Yeah, no, I love that. And I can come alongside of you. I think 
I'll never forget. Um, we had just won gold in 2012 and we had done the whole ceremony. The flag goes up, the medals around the neck, we're sobbing. We say hi to all the parents in the crowds. We parade around the pool deck, the whole nine yards. And I'm like beaming as I'm saying this, it was like one of the coolest experiences of my life. And the team is taken to like a holding room because we have yeah. one of our teammates being drug tested after the of game. It's like very common, you know, um, mm-hmm. as we know. And so we're just hanging tight before we take the bus back to the village. And we're like blaring Whitney Houston and like, you know, playing all the songs and we're That's dancing amazing. as a team and we're all hanging out. And at one point I sit down um, on the on the couch and our head coach is sitting on the arm of the couch And I'm like looking at my medal and I look up at him and I said, do you want to do this again? (laughs) (laughs) And he looked at me and he goes, just enjoy the moment. (laughs) Because I mean, and as you know, the Olympics are every four years and I'm like, so are we signing up for Rio 2016? Because this is the best feeling I have ever felt like in that moment, the four years of training, the six and a half hours of training, six days a week, you know, the challenges, the storming, the fights, the hard conversations, the small victories, the fun, like all of it was just like in this bubble up moment of how good that moment felt. Yeah. And, you know, I'm like, can we sign up again? I want to do it again. Because when you put all of those things into place and you show up wholly and you connect with the people you're doing it with, and you stick the landing, you know, it is the best feeling ever. And why wouldn't you want to find a way to recreate that and enjoy that experience? And then to have self-compassion come in alongside of that experience. It enhances it so much more. Yeah. Truly, truly enhances it so much more because it, because you, and I think that's, that's the thing that I'm most happy and proud of now that like when I do succeed as an actor it it, for whatever reason it feels so much better you Mm. know and it's because I'm allowing myself to do it in my way and not based off of the the way that other people told me that I have to do it because even those Olympic medals they came with senses of like almost you know Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it was like how I remember when I was in therapy a, a couple years ago that my ther- I was telling her the story and I and I like mentioned and I and I just got and I like I just got like silver at the and she literally stopped and she was like what did you just say what did you just say and I was like what she was like you said just got to you just that's it like that's it's less than perspective like, check <laughs> uh you know, and it it's true, but that again, like we like we mentioned earlier, that was so much a product of our environment. But now, it's so different. Now mm-hmm. those little those small victories are much bigger than we realize. We call them small. To I don't know why. I don't know why we call them small. You know, but but it's yeah, it feels so much better. And it, and it's like you said, it's because of that self compassion. It's it's just enhanced every victory so much more. Yeah. Yeah. And just the permission for joy and play, you know, like having, and and in regards to that, I mean, the story I love telling is Danelle and I went to visit the president of the United States. (laughs) We are hanging out in the white house and I run into him, you know, amongst all the athlete USA athletes that are there. And I'm like, Hey, what's up? You know, we're like chopping it up, catching up. And I'm like, can you do a backflip right now? And you're like, no, no, I couldn't. And I was like, come on, I was egging you on, egging you on. (laughs) Got like a great video of you doing a backflip in like the Oval Office at the White House, which is just like, I don't know. And like a split. I think you have a video of you doing like splits or something like that. That's right. At the the White House. (laughs) Oh, so good. I did want to mention one thing before I forget, you know, and it's the whole aspect of allowing yourself to, understand that you are more than one thing and i it it's funny how how different it is for us now because as athletes we were that one thing 
That's right. And I, as Olympians, the majority of us always get the Olympic rings as tattoo. Do you have the Olympic rings tattoo? I do not. I don't have them either. But what I, I want to know have, why, and I'll tell you my reason why. <laughs> yeah, uh, I have. I have the dates of when I. I have the dates of when I won the medals. So I have mm-hmm. like the exact date of like when my bronze was and when my two silvers were. That's mm-hmm. my tattoo because it is so much more personal. But my reason, and I'm sure it's the reason why you don't have it, is because I don't want to be defined by just the one thing. Yeah. Yeah. And that is mind boggling to me because that's all I was defined by mm-hmm. for 21 years of my life. And that's all I wanted to be defined by. And then when I retired, I was like, no, no, no. I'm so much more than just this. That's right. Yeah. I think uh, for me, it came down to wanting to be the one to share the story and not have it be broadcasted on my body um, yes. because not everyone is deserving to know that part of my life journey. Right. You know, yeah, cause I think absolutely. some people take advantage of it or, you know, mishandle it, you know, that part. And because it was so much of my identity and was so, you know, such a big part of my life. Yeah. Again, I, I love having the, the option of sharing it rather than having it yes. broadcasted. And then I the agree. other reason was like, I don't need these Olympic rings mocking me each day as my six pack falls away. <laughs> my leanness falls away. I'm like, I'm not going to always look like an Olympian. I don't need this on my body. <laughs> I literally just had that conversation with uh, one of my, one of my castmates last night, you know, we were, we were about to go and do the act and, and she was a gymnast. She went to world championships. She, she's a world medalist. It's a gymnast. She was amazing. And she was just like, she mentioned, so it's like, oh man, I look fat now. I was like, no, you look like a normal human being now. You don't look you don't look like a malnourished, overworked little shit. You look like a normal, healthy yeah. human being. And she yeah. was just like, okay. <laughs> yeah, okay, fine. That's fine. I know. It's like I will never work out six and a half hours a day, six days a week ever again. We were also in our early 20s. I know. Which when we, by the way, when I this happened last Olympics when I was watching and I was like, these are the absolute top performers in the entire planet. And they, their age range is between 18 and like 26. Babies. What? Babies. Yeah. Children. Yeah. Children. And then they wonder why the transition is so hard. Uh, yep. Ah. I was going to say that. No wonder our brains have expanded exploded <laughs> since then. Yeah. What are you most excited to work on moving forward? Just continuing to grow in the self-compassion aspect, you know, mm. because understanding that that is the label of what I've been trying to do is, is easier to talk about, you know, it, it certainly helps it fall more into like visible understanding, but yeah, just just being nicer to myself in certain moments or allowing myself to, you know, be, be sad or angry or frustrated and then moving past it. I've tried to do that. I've, I've preached about doing that to anybody that I, that, that I come across. And, you know, I, I don't do it as much as I tell people to, that Mm -hmm. they need to, you know, Mm -hmm. I think people experience both sides of that. If you're, if you're struggling to find ways to show up in a compassionate from a compassionate place to others, start with yourself. If you're having a hard time showing up in a compassionate way for yourself, you know, you can start with others and get that rep and just borrow from each approach. But I think that's beautiful. I think our world needs a little more compassion at this time. And I think it's a beautiful thing to continue to grow into and hone and, you know, watch as you continue to expand and grow because of it. So you have a fan in us. We'll be watching from the (laughs) sidelines and cheering for you. I appreciate your time and just sharing your experiences and like, like always keeping it real. And I'm sure, I don't know, we'll just switch back and forth on whose podcast we're on next. (laughs) I don't know if I'll ever do the podcast again. That was that was a whole lot. Maybe, maybe one day. Maybe we'll just we'll just keep doing, we'll just keep chatting. We'll yeah, keep- that works too. All right. <laughs> thanks so much. 
thank you to those who joined us today. If you enjoyed today's episode, please take the opportunity to share with a friend, follow Mindful Warrior Radio, and leave a review. To learn more about Mindful Warrior and Mindful Warrior Radio, please follow us on Instagram at The Real Mindful Warrior and check out our website at www.mindfulwarrior.com. I look forward to our next discussion here on Mindful Warrior Radio.